I'm hoping this session would be a little bit more interactive. Uh, I know none of us like to be preached at, so so if we can interact, then I think it'll be a it'll be a great time for us. So, and this is Bangalore, right? So you, people won't have any inhibition of interacting. I tried this in Trivandrum, didn't work. So I have hope. Let's see. Let's see what happens. So I'm going to read three verses and give some, put some general, uh, general principles together, building on what we've already looked at, and then um, hopefully ask some questions. Um, would have been nice if we had a big whiteboard and we could write things down. The teacher in me is is itching, I guess. Um, but uh, anyways, let's read Genesis uh, chapter 1, <clears throat> verse uh, 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and the whole earth. And the creatures that crawl on the earth. Let us also read Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. <clears throat> and we know that God works, that's, this is 28 just to, just to give us some context. And we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be firstborn among all brothers, all my bro- uh, many brothers. And the last verse that we want to read is Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. Galatians Chapter 4 and verse 19. Let's read 18 again and then read on to 19. Galatians 4. Nevertheless, it is good to be zealous if it serves a noble purpose. At any time and not only when I am with you. My children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth... Until Christ is formed in you. So we looked at uh, earlier session, we looked at uh, being real, being relevant, being redemptive and restorative. And I want to tie it with the idea of each of us being image bearers of God. Uh, And that's why I read these three verses. Um, in Genesis, we saw that um, God, in his wisdom, decided to make us in his image and according to uh, his likeness. And then in the, in the Romans verse that we read, that... There's some sort of a process that we are going through at this point in time 
being conformed to the image of his son. And then in Galatians, Apostle Paul says that he's working hard and he's going through the pain and all the struggles that he's going through, the, the imprisonment and the rest, so that Christ is formed, again the word formed, in you. So obviously, if God created us to be in his image, and we are image bearers of God, there's a whole set of theological assumptions that, uh, that this has. According to all the other creation, um, did not get this. This was a specific creation uh, in, when it came to man. So, uh, imago dei is the, is the uh, Latin word for it, image of God. Image, an exact replica image is the idea. Not the exact person, but the replica of, of the image of God. And then we read earlier in the worship service in Colossians that Christ is the image of God. Right? If Christ is the image of God... And then we are image bearers of Christ. And we are brothers with Christ. You can see all of these ideas somewhat intertwining together. So my question is, if we are already image bearers of God, and Christ in in his humanity closely represent that to us, then why is the apostle still working hard to form his image in his, his, his uh, he calls them children. And why is he saying that we are predestined to be conformed, uh, an ongoing process of conformation to the image of son? I thought we were already the image of God. What's going on here? Any idea? I mean, either, either one of these scenarios should be true or both should be true. So what, what, what's happening? Between the first idea of God creating us in his image and then somehow now we are, we are being conformed to the image of God, Christ, his son. Why, why, why is it necessary to reform why is it necessary to have that process already? So. Sin, yeah, I think marred is a good word. Distorted the image might be another one, or obliterated is another word. Um, things of that nature. So, essentially, then, God created humans. To represent him, and it says to rule over the nature and things of that nature very clearly. We were to be not little gods running around, but to represent God by reflecting some of the communicable attributes that God has. God has many incommunicable attributes. You know, we, he's all, all powerful, that's incommunicable. He's all knowing, that's incommunicable, we cannot be. But there are communicable attributes that he has, which is love and mercy, justice, and things of that nature. He's left all of that in us when he created us in his image. Only the incommunicable attributes of God that separates him as a creator 
is not transferred to us. Most of the other communicable attributes are available in us. It's, it was already set in us. And in that sinless perfection, we would have been able to, to uh, express all of that very clearly without any, any uh, obstruction at all. But as Charles mentioned, sin appeared, right? Adam fell. We know Adam fell. And then what happened was, it is as if the mirror that reflected the image of God was shattered. The mirror is still there, but in pieces, right? So at some point then, God has begun working from that point on to put the image back together, the mirror back together without any blemish. And at some point, it would be complete to where we reflect him completely. So that process is what Paul is talking about. Not that we lost his image, not that we lost his influence in our life, not that his attributes, incommunicable attributes that he put in us was completely gone. It cannot be fully expressed because it got distorted, as we saw. So God has been working since then, in Genesis chapter 3 on, through various means, even now, until uh, pre-Calvary and post-Calvary, and with Calvary being the, the, the center point of all of this, where man who has the image of God, yet so distorted, that others can rarely understand God by looking at man, by coming to Christ, and through the process of sanctification and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, when we are sensitive to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, guess what? The mirror is getting put back together, right? With no crevices, no lines. That ultimately, at some point, in, at the time of our glorification, at, at that point, we fully reflect Christ. That's the idea. That's what's going on. Okay, so why, how is this different from other religions? It's a little bit of comparative religion here. How is this different? This makes sense, somewhat sense to us. But many other religions also say that we have attributes of God in our lives. So why would Christianity be any different? Come on. You know it. Okay, let's start with Hinduism. In Hinduism, the idea of image and, and God in human, how does that work? Go ahead. I know I cut you off, so pardon me. You, whatever the thought that was just at the tip of your tongue, shoot it out. Okay. Yeah, but the idea of moksha and, and uh, you know, all is there, but not in the way that Christ has done, yes. We'll come to that in just a minute. It's a good point. Okay. Right. Right. Then you conform. If you don't do that, it's a continuous process. Christianity is done on the cross. Jesus Christ has done it once and for all. Once and for all, yes. And we just have to conform to that and realize that's the difference. That is the sentinel difference of Christianity. So 
both points are taken here, uh, what our brother said and, and what was just mentioned. In Hinduism, what happens is that they think that through the, this repetitive process that, of work, one can attain the actual being, become God. One can become God because God is in everything, animate, inanimate, pantheism, right? Inanimate and animate things. And at some point with doing this recycling business, at some point you'll become so pure that you become God. Yet that's the reason why we have a lot of God-men or God-men running around, right? Uh, they leave the family, they go and, and you know, concentrate on these kind of things and then they come back as almost near to God or as gods. In Buddhism... It's, they don't believe in a personal God. They are essentially an atheistic religion, right? Zen Buddhism especially is a very atheistic. But they think that by doing works, going through this process, one can self-actualize to a very high moral level, which becomes, then you become a little Buddha, right? That's the idea that they, they not, a, not a personal God, but at some point of... Um, the self-actualization that is the, the crown of being perf- perfect. So that's Buddhism. In Islam, we have a God who you cannot really know. Right? He is very distant. Um, you can know a little bit about him through the prophets, multiple prophets and things of that nature. And you, when, when you mention the idea of God in man, it's blasphemous for them. Okay, that's the only other religion, only religion where this idea of God in man uh, becomes blasphemous. So that's the kind of the difference. Here, what the Lord says is, no, I want you to rule the universe that I created so lovingly that the only way I want to get that accomplished in my my uh, um, Almighty, all um, unquestionable decree that I am making I want you to be image bearers so that my rule can be established entirely on the, on the face of the earth that got met, totally messed up by Adam's sin and since then God did not give up right God has not given up on mankind from that first sacrifice until the ultimate first sacrifice to clothe Adam and Eve, until the the ultimate sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. And thereafter, because of the testimony of the cross of Calvary, this idea of restoring those uh, marred image um, vehicles, so to speak, is continuing on, continuing on. You can look at it as uh, in a different way. You know, back before when glass was discovered, uh, the mirrors were made out of brass. By polishing it uh, to the nth degree, brass would reflect uh, the image fairly okay. But the problem with brass is what? It gets oxidized through the elements in the air. And so if you have brass that's left alone for a while, what happens? The reflective quality of the, the brass goes away, and you won't see anything. I mean, you can keep, maybe get a distant, somewhat um, distorted image of the person who is looking at it. But 
If a master craftsman would take his time to clean the brass, go put it through the same process over again, guess what? The image can be reflected in the brass as well. That's the idea here. So we are in the process of being cleansed and being reprocessed, uh, so to speak, so that we can fully reflect Christ. And that's why Apostle Paul says Christ is formed, that he's praying that Christ is formed in you. That he's saying that, yes, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ as the Holy Spirit uh, uh, completely does his ministry in each one of us. So how is it all related to um, the idea of being authentic and, uh, and relevant and all that stuff? Well, what are some of the, what are some of the um, attributes of God that we all have, Christians and non-Christians? How about rationality? God would be the ultimate rational being. And although in, in, in our own relationships, some wives might think that the husbands are irrational and, and some uh, husbands would think that uh, wife is really cuckoo and, and all that stuff. But we are all still rational, right? We can... Given the opportunity to sit down and think through things, we can be, we can make sense. We can make sense out of things. Otherwise, half of you guys won't be engineers. Half of you guys won't be doing what you're doing. We have the ability of being rational. And if we lose the ability of being rational, then you cannot be effectively plugged into a community. We would then put them in institutions, <laughs> Uh, morality is another another uh, attribute of God that we have. How many of you can confess to me that at some point in life you felt like you have a huge vacuum in your life and only God could fill it? Several of us, right? And several of us continues to have that 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 feeling. I have I have this this inadequacy, God. You are the only one who can complete it. You can, well, that comes initially from the idea of morality that we all have, right? We can look at things and say that God is perfect and He is the ultimate moral being, and then and then analyze everything else in our life based on that touch point, and say that this is moral, this is immoral, this is amoral. There are only three categories, right? You either do something immoral, which is totally contrary to the moral character of God, or you can do something uh, moral, which is in line and in congruence with God, or you could do something amoral, which just doesn't have any the it doesn't have any moral values. So, I mean, what job you work or, or or things of that nature, those are amoral. I mean, you could be. I could be a teacher and I could be a, 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 a carpenter. It doesn't have any, any moral quality to it. Until you begin to violate the ethics of work, right? So, so I think that is another attribute that is communicated to us. How many of you here sitting here are artistic? Come on, self-identify yourself. No, sorry. <laughs> 
Engineers see black and white. There is no gray. <laughs> Artistic. When you, yes, when you see a beautiful sunset, you, are, you stop and be at awe, right? Or a beautiful uh, flower. Or some of you guys, when you see a beautiful girl. I don't know, whatever the scenario is. Huh? That's being artistic. But God is very artistic. Look at the creation. Look at, look at uh, some of the... And I, I have a whole presentation on just... It says, when God paints. And it's just images. And you'll just sit there and... Want, I mean, it's not touch paints at all. It's just real natural places, right? So he is extremely artistic. And he has left that in some of us. If all of the, guy, all of the people were very engineer-minded, left-brain, this world would be a horrible place. <laughs> we will have, you will have all the little algorithms and, 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 and boxes and all that stuff. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I can, I can think of CG right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, and then uh, the other one is volition. We can choose, right? God chooses. He's the ultimate one. We can choose what's good, what's not, and we make decisions on our own. So that's an incommunicable attribute that he has put in us. Um, going back to that morality and the religious capacity that we can, we feel that we are at, and at some points in our, when confronted with the, the, the exuberance of God, we feel that we need to worship him. Well, where do you get that from? Because God exists for his own glory. And, and when uh, he is the supreme person, supreme being, who, who cannot be compared to anyone else, and he exists for his own glory. And anyone who is a creature is less than him, in substance, in, in content, in all our makeup, that the only ac- accurate response when confronted with the ultimate him is falling flat at his feet and worshipping. And that religious capacity uh, is, is, is passed on to us. We read that in Isaiah 6 and all of that earlier on. <sighs> and the other one is a relational mutuality. In other words, he created them put the image of him in what? He created them male and female. Um, and and, 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 the, and the, the respect for gender uh, between male and female and, and respect in relationship in, in, in marriage and friendship and all the others, uh, it's all tied back to the, uh, the, the creator putting that in us. So there's, there's a lot of these, I and mean, I can go on and on, and then you can probably figure out some of these yourself. So why did he put all that stuff in us? So that we will reflect him through those attributes for the rest of the world. And when sin crushed it, we at best are showing forth an incomplete rationality, an incomplete aesthetic awareness. I'll give you an example. When you look at a nude picture and uh, emotions are evoked, lust is evoked in your heart, that is the distorted idea of artistic awareness that God has put in us. When you 
look at a scenario where justice need to be applied and you stand on the side of injustice where you you stand to gain something out of it well you distorted the idea of justice that god has put in your heart and it i mean the the example goes on and on and on so at best what we can do is give some semblance of god's rationality all these attributes to some extent and then i want to bring it to this now so if we are to be relevant the reason why we need to be relevant and 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 uh, redemptive and restorative and real and all these things is that ultimately we walk with this huge responsibility of being image bearers of Christ and this confronts me every single day at my work when my associates or my team members come into my cabin and they bring a situation where i need to make a decision that decision if i make it walking away from these attributes that god has put in me guess what i just did i further distorted god's image in a perfect scenario where i could have shown it to them i'll give you some examples transgenderism is a is a major issue we are all facing there and it's real and so there is a law that was written in texas to have transgenders use the same bathroom so in a female bathroom a transgender who a male who thinks he's a female can go in and do his thing there was an outcry and all these other things and the minute you pick one side you're seen as the uh, the um, you know the the devil and so on and so forth so it came to to my attention for, for our campus and and we sat down and we looked at it and this was one time when i could have said some things to to picture me as as a as a as a devil but we had processes and policies in place and i went back to it yes this is a real problem but these are our procedures these are our policies and based on that in my role as the provost of the campus based on that the policies that's already established by the board i'm here to to run it right to to uh, to implement the policies and in that i can only implement it this way when i explained it they were happy they walked walked off same scenario um a bunch of muslim students came to me and they wanted a prayer room well i mean i also would like to have everyone to pray and i sat them down i said i'm fully you know sympathetic to your your needs i know i think prayer is good um but i i showed them the occupancy rate for my my campus we are at about 90% occupied for almost 400,000 square feet we don't have any room if i carve out a 100 square feet of room something else got to give and students are student success is first and i can do that and the other thing is i can't just do it for one group i have to do it for all of the group so i promised them we will keep looking when there is a scenario where our occupancy rate goes down and we have real estate available 
we'll make it happen. And they understood it. So these are practical things that come to our daily life in our space, in your, in your space that comes up, where you can actually think through the process and ask the question, okay, here's an opportunity to either distort the image of God that's in me or be relevant at the same time, be the image bearer of God. And, and, and that is uh, what I want to <clears throat> I, I bring to your attention. Choices. We make choices. And, and uh, one, one of those choices that uh, plague uh, many of us, and if not several of us, is media choices. Nothing is forbidden to us, Paul says, right? Everything is okay. I mean, everything is allowable. But then we have to make choices based on what's available. So when David says, I will not put anything abominable in front of my eyes, what is he talking about? God, I will not put anything abominable in front of my eyes. What, what is he talking about? I say that's media choices relevant to us. Back then, he didn't have internet and all that other stuff. Right now, when we say, God, I will not put anything abominable in front of my eyes, I personally will not do it when it's, it's, it's volition. It, it's, in my opinion, it is media choices. What are your media choices? What kind of stuff you see? What kind of stuff your eyes wander to? These are moments... In fact, when no one is looking, it is the, the hardest for especially men. And uh, we distort the image even further by falling um, away when, when we look at things that we shouldn't be looking at. Relational mutuality. This is an area that I struggle to. I, mean, I want to share with you. If I'm not an image bearer of Christ in my marriage, if I, I'm not practicing his image uh, in my role as a dad, as a, as a, as a father-in-law, and as a grandfather, then I distort the very purpose for which he, was, he made me a husband, he made me a father, he made me a grandfather, and so on and so forth. Um, I'll give you an example. I mean, some of you may have heard this before. In, Bina rarely sits in front of my teaching because she, she warns me, do not use me as an example. But since she's not here, I am. Um, she works, I work. And, and re- recently, the last a few years, I, I started enjoying cooking, so we cook together, which is our bonding time. But all Indian cooking has its side effects, right? Parallel um, collateral damage. All the dishes that need to be done, right? Guys don't like to wash dishes. And if somebody says they love to wash dishes, they're lying. <laughs> I was one of those guys. And she's tired, I'm tired. We had a great dinner, but the dish has to be washed. And we are empty nesters, and therefore we can't tell the boys, hey, get it done. No, no. Or load the, load the washing machine or whatever. Then there's a verse, I think Peter wrote this. For all of you who, who knows how to do good and will not do it, it is sin unto you. <laughs> Oops. I'm telling you, that was so convicting that I love to do dishes now. <laughs> 
to the point where she would say, just leave it, I'll do it. <laughs> and um, that's just a practical thing. In, in every aspect of that, of that and especially um, women tend to be more looking for uh, security and leadership and, and, and the, the comfort of the coverage of their husband and things of that nature. And some men have no clue. <laughs> they want to sit in front of the TV and totally ignore her. They want to do their work thing and not have anything to do with uh, the, the wife or the, the partner, equal partner in their life. And then what are you doing? You are simply distorting the image of God in you in that relationship. And then when you go out and try to preach this to others, it doesn't mean anything to them because your wife is sitting there shaking her head. Okay, yeah, I know this guy. He's a different guy at home. So all of every aspect of our lives, would you agree that we need to be image bearers of Christ? And if we try to do it on our own, we'll only reproduce broken images, right? So a lot of us try to do it, and every time we do it, we, we create broken images. Broken images means God needs to still fix it, right? So how do we do this? You need, we, you and I need to, well, you're all theologians, tell me, how do we, how do, we do it? If we try to do it, we create, recreate broken images. So how do we truly work on the conforming into the image of Christ part? How do we do that? What are some of the things that we can do? What are some of the things you are doing? Okay, be, yeah, plant yourself in the word of God, right? And what does the word of God do? Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God. When he illuminates the word of God, just like he convicted me of wanting to, leaving the, the dishes undone and acting like I'm so tired and all that stuff. He convicted me, right? And I couldn't go past that conviction. And I shared that with my wife. And then she understood that it is out of my love and concern that I was not living the life that Christ would have me as a husband and so I was willing to change, willing to adjust, which made her love me even more, which I, I love that part. So, being sensitive to the ministry of the Holy Spirit is what our brother just said. If you want to coin it in a... In a, in a in a term, being sensitive to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? You gotta be you gotta plant yourself in the Word of God. And you have to have the time where you and God alone are going at it like like crazy. I had moments and I wish I could go back to some of those days. I had moments where tough, tough things that we went through. And I was not making sense. And I would just spend nights just arguing with him. Not, not arguing without losing respect to him. He's still God. And I am, you know, like Benji mentioned, he can just say, Abe, and I'm done. I'm melting, right? So I, I, that, that creaturely distinction is maintained. But he's also my father. He's also my friend. He is the one who listens to me, who pursues me relentlessly. And therefore, with that, I can go and say, 
But God, I want to do this. And he finally will bring it to the point where he says, If you mean to reflect me to the world, this is what you would do. If you want to do it on your own, you go ahead and do what you want to do. And some of us go that direction and then, then realize it was the worst decision in our lives, right? When we are to be redemptive and real and all those things, these things are some of the things that we need to talk about. Be out in the open with people. And I, I can tell you, a lot of the young folks that, that we worked with in the past, the reason why they could come to our house and watch Bina and myself interact is what we wanted them to see, that we're not perfect, that we had issues and we worked our issues through and I'm hoping all the ladies who are married to them, I'm hoping they got at least some idea out of how to love their wives and how to, how to nurture them. In fact, I used it with all of them. Nurturing means putting, uh, that word in Greek is to put something in the palm of your hand and then very gently covering and holding it close to your heart. Are they doing that? If they're not, I'm coming back. But it's also being image bearer. When, you know, Christ nurtures us. Can you, can you not think of a moment when you were so well taken care of by him? Some of my brothers has gone through things that I have not gone through. And they, they may not discuss it, but if it wasn't for Christ and his nurturing care, I don't know how they would have handled it. I, I don't know. But then, when you, when you put yourself under that kind of care, he molds you, he creates you, he washes out some of the rough edges, and he, he uses the kind of chemicals that's needed to bring out the reflection, the shining, the luster, and all those things, so that ultimately what? God exists for his own glory. Even you becoming an image bearer of Christ is to reflect his glory to others. And we have to come to that mindset or else what, we, what happens is we will pursue our own self-interest and com- continue to distort the image of God in us. It is, um, now we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. But we also can willingly assist in the process by being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be fully conformed to the image of God to the extent that others are really seeing you, wouldn't that be a powerful scenario right now? Or you can resist it, but you're, if, you, if you belong to the Lord, ultimately you will be. And if it happens just at the time of glorification, you've just lost out an entire life to be reflectors of Christ. And that's a, that's a decision that you all have to, uh, to make. So, um, now, the question is, if I am to be the image of God in all the spaces and spheres of my life, then why am I not doing it? What are some of the, some of the barriers that we feel, practical barriers that 
you know, that, that we all fight, that keeps us from reflecting Christ in a way that he ought to be reflected. Barriers. Our time is running, so hurry up. Sin in us, okay. That's somewhat general, but can we go a little bit more specific? What are some of the barriers that we fight? Each of us fight. Laziness. Hmm? Laziness. laziness, okay. That's a good one. Yeah, we know how to do good, but we decide not to do good, right? Yeah, that's laziness, yeah. Pride. Pride. Yeah, I can tell you something. That's one thing that I had to fight very hard in my life for the longest time. I mean, even... Even the, all the other stuff, the lust and all these other things, I was able to manage really well. But pride was a hard one to shake. And it's actually the, the main sin that kicked Satan out of heaven. Okay, what else? Yeah, we want to be accepted by people, right? Yeah, others' acceptance over God acceptance, right? I was discussing this with uh, Sheetal the other day, and I explained to her the term Christ-ability rather than self-ability. All our abilities should be powered, supported, and implemented and completed to fruition by Christ and the fact that we are in Christ. And that's what we would call Christ-ability, right? So then Christ-acceptance is the acceptance that we long for not others acceptance okay what else procrastination Procrastination. yes yes that is one of those sleepy under the radar kind of stuff that lurks around the lives of again particularly men (laughs) oh I can do it another day Honey, bring, uh, bring some, uh, you know, food home, grocery home so I can cook. And when you come home empty-handed, because you got sidetracked with a, co- a phone conversation or something, and you said, eh, she'll find a way to make something. I, 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 she's always pulled it out, out of the hat, so it's okay. Uh, taking, taking your dear ones uh, for granted. Or, right now in my life, this is what I need to do. This is, this, is a, this is a moment in time that is absolutely necessary for me to get ahead in my work or whatever the scenario. I've always, I have all this other time that is left. At some point when I'm done with this, I will take up the image-bearing deal. I don't want to be, I mean, there's a lot of preachers. Uh, uh, I don't want to be preach, preaching right now. Or whatever the scenario is, we procrastinate. We know how to do good, but we move it aside for another time or so. Okay, what else? Our ability to believe in lies. Say it one more time, please. We tend to believe in lies. Yeah, we tend to, my brother said, we tend to believe in lies instead of truth. Where does that come from? Satan is the father of lies and he masters in us believing in lies. And when he is successful in that, you just have to read, uh, read uh, C.S. Lewis's Screwtick letters for this one. If he masters in that, then he's accomplished his goal of keeping us from image bearers of Christ. 
And if we are true image bearers of Christ, this whole world would change. So that's his active warfare by being subtle. Okay, what else? Uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up in just a few minutes here. The company you keep, this is a sticky one because we are to be salt and light in this world. We are to be in the community, in the, uh, we have to be living with them, right? Otherwise they would not see. So if we are feeling this holier than thou, uh, live within the do's and don'ts of, 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 of certain denomination, then you are absolutely irrelevant to the community. So you have to be in the community. But then... Peer pressure is extremely per- perversive, right? So what do you do, right? So this is, again, going back to if you are, have a firm stand on the word of God and if you're constantly sen- uh, being sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you can be extremely relevant and hold your position and be in the community at the same time. It's hard, but you can do it. Yes. Any, any other ideas? Where are you? Oh, financial implications. What do you mean by that? So loss of finance, loss loss of money if you take a stand. So then you shy away from it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a tough one too, isn't it? If it costs you, would you do it? But then... What did the Lord say? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. You're not dead. You belong to me. You have eternal life. You don't have time for the dead ones. Right? Okay. This section is extremely quiet because either they are getting everything and soaking everything in, or everything that I'm saying is clear as mud. You don't have any questions? Nothing? Okay, that's all right. I don't want to put you on the spot. We have some questions in the... Okay, so next, maybe next few minutes I can take... This is the, uh, uh, this is the uh, technology things. Okay, shoot. Okay, so how can I be authentic with my faith in the secular world on topics like homosexuality, abortion, when people term Christians as judgmental, living in a bubble and naive? Just a related question. People tend to go away when we are authentic, even if we never intended it that way. How can we be authentic and yet not drive them away? Or are these rejections normal? We must factor these. Okay. That's a loaded question. So are you all ready to stay until 7 this evening? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. Okay, let's just talk about difficult issues like homosexuality and and abortion. Um, If we say that the Bible says that we need to run away from homosexuals and keep them at a distance, then exactly what you just said is, the question addresses is what's going to happen. But that's not what the Bible says. It's the practice of homosexuality that the Bible very clearly goes against. It's not the person who thinks organically they have been made this way and they have these feelings. 
So what will the church do in a scenario like that? This is a, this is a major issue that all of us are dealing with. I am telling you very clearly, if, if, if Christ, or Christ went to the prostitutes, Christ went to the wine-bibbers, Christ was seen with tax collectors at the cost of his reputation and loved on them without endorsing the sins that they were committing, why would we not love on these people? I'll give you an example. We, we have a brother who is a habitual liar. I'm not saying anyone here is. But there are people who are habitual liars because they want to look good in front of people. How do you deal with that? We just don't deal with them and shun them, uh, get them out of church and say, never st- put, 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 foot in, put foot in our church. We don't. We address, as elders and others, we'll address the sin and love the person who is committing the sin, right? Why would homosexuality be any different? It is a sin. The practice of homosexuality is a sin. Jesus loves the sinner. And we as a body needs to surround ourselves to these people and offer the unconditional love that Christ would offer which would then, and it is a large movement in America, which would then help some of these people. Some of, some of these people have, I mean, don't say that it is not real. The, or, the organic change, or whether it's, it's chemical imbalances in, in, in the brain, or whatever the scenario is, they really feel this way. I mean, it's not fake. How do we deal with this? And some of them, when... When, when they are loved unconditionally and the church ministers to them, lovingly pursuing them, they have, uh, many of them have taken a vow for celibacy and filled the void of needing love and affection from others through what church offers. And that's one way of ministering to them. But church has the opportunity to run away from them and paint them as the worst kind of sinners, or we can love them, keeping our stand, keeping our firm standing on the word of God, all of that stuff, but they need to see, and I don't agree with that, uh, the the last part of that question where it says, being relevant uh, and um, real with with people um, will drive them away. I think, I think you're confusing the idea of being real as in a legalistic sense. This is what my belief systems are. I'm not making an inch left or right. When you take that kind of position, it might become a turnoff. But are you willing to pursue them with the love of Christ? Without compromising, but trying to continue to explain to them, this is the reason why even though you wrote me off as this religious zealot, I'm still wanting a relationship with you. I'm still wanting to love on you because in my eyes, through God, I'm seeing you as a precious person. And you need to just explain it to them. And I, I'm being, not being bashful or patting myself on the back. I've been in many, many, many scenarios like this. The people in my, at call, in my college knows I'm a man of faith. I, didn't, I don't hide that from them. At the same time, I have a plaque in my office. There's amazing grace. No, I don't have a... I, my plaque doesn't say, if you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have hell and brimstone on your face. 
my my flag doesn't say that. I say it's amazing grace, which is uh, uh, which has started a lot a lot of conversations. I'm blessed with situations when people are going through struggles. They will call me up and said, "Can you spend a few minutes with us?" Now, in my official role, I can't. So what I do is I take my legally allowed one hour off, shut my office, tell my assistant to block all the calls, and pray with them. Many of them non-Christians. I don't. Ha- I haven't had any complaints from people saying that I'm practicing my religion at work. You got to take time to love people. and show them that your love is unconditional some of you who worked with me when we, we when we've done evangelistic work and things of that nature i keep them very i keep, i i make it very clear to them whether you make a confession of faith or not that's not the basis of our relationship you will still be my friend you will still have all the privileges of friendship that we have if you your on your own are convicted by the lord to to trust in him that's your call and i'll be all the more happy but i'm still going to love you nonetheless right i think that those kind of parameters need to be very clearly set at the beginning of all our relation then I, when then we need to live it uh, in consistency with that once we do that some some of these relationship will take years uh Charles and I was just talking about someone earlier and we just have to continue doing it how many years now 20 plus years he's heard the gospel uh but he needs you know we need to still continue to love him and that's just the way it is i don't know if i answered that complex question completely but um abortion is another one i mean when in uh, i personally believe that it is uh, it is murder i mean it's just the way it is and i don't want to get into, get into the sticky situations of in the case of a rape or if you have a tubal pregnancy and i mean you can slice it to the nth degree and 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 fight on it but if it's a if it's a case of a normal pregnancy and the parents do not want the child and they are aborting for whatever reason whether even if it was conceived in a illicit relationship it is still murder sanctity of life is the major theme in the bible throughout the bible and you walk away from it and make any compromise to that uh, i mean you are walking away from being true image bearers but how do you deal with them someone who cannot have this child provide them with all the services that is available to bring that baby to life at all i mean exhaust all the possibilities and if still they do it be still there for their support not endorse what they did but they, you don't just write them off you still love them now some of them will opt to have the baby and don't want the baby then you know there are services available a lot of couples are longing for babies and and therefore this is a potential and and i know it's slowly catching on here but the church should be very pro adoption uh, and adoption not to destroy the child as was a sad case in one of our situations recently but adoption should be for restoration and fully adopting as fully our own bean and i had you know three bo- we have three boys and the little 
heart in me want to want a girl i want my girl i want my sweet princess uh, first one was okay right oh god will all of you know we we theologize everything as long as it's a healthy baby we are okay <laughs> and second one um i didn't go as far as saying as far as it's a healthy baby i said i want a girl <laughs> the baby was born and of course there was all evidences that he was a boy <laughs> so i lean over to my wife who has just given birth to this baby she looks at me and said i'm sorry <laughs> i said why are you sorry it's my fault right <laughs> you don't determine the sex it's me <laughs> and the same thing happened with the third one too so we're happy that they they you know we have two they brought two two of them brought girls to our home and they called me one of them actually calls me daddy which she reserved that for her own daddy now she calls me daddy as well uh but at some point you know in in that journey i was while we were in india i talked to bina and i said you know how much i want a girl and i know you're not cooperating <laughs> and uh, i'm a moral person i can't do anything else so Uh, without your co- cooperation this is a done deal right so um how about adopting and i said i want you to pray about this and she did and then came back and said i'm so sorry i don't think i can love any other child like my own i said well then the deal is off if you cannot fully accept this child into our life as your own and love them just like the three boys that we've had together then we sh- will not bring this child into our life and it was hard for me i would i would have i would have gladly had uh, but that's a decision that again i respected her uh, her decision on that so i mean it's it's a it's a tough thing so going back to the abortion issue um, do not compromise on the on the idea that it is on the fact that it is uh, it is a murder but then continue giving options and be with these folks uh love on them and let them really see the love of god and his value for life uh, at some at any anyone who has aborted a child will tell you it is the most horrific feeling that they have for the rest of their lives so i think you started you talked about this a little bit but uh, you can expand it. how do i depict christ in my office <laughs> and i again i don't i i'm not saying that it's going to work in every scenario but <clears throat> every new major role that i have had in my life and it has worked for me and i'm 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 assuming that it worked for george and others too um i have a long conversation with the person who is hiring me and i tell them this i'm a man of faith i will not compromise on certain things i will not do anything unethical um and but i will be a loyal employee because i'm working as unto the lord and in doing so i will be loyal to you i'll be loyal to the institution organization i will make sure that uh the the policies and procedures of the organization is fully implemented if that's the the charge that's given to me so that open conversation with the, the uh, with the employer helps set up the scenario where uh, they have a framework through which they can look at you a lot of times we are so excited about the new position 
we will just keep all of these part under the rug and when when the tough situation comes uh, you have to make this decision and then it's it's a, it's, it's a brand new thing to the boss or whoever then it, it creates a, a, a difficulty there is i am i i'm an optimist who believes that there isn't any problem that a good healthy wholesome uh, uh clear communication cannot solve so being very open with and and if it if that means you lose the job then you ask the question is christ worth more i mean you can you can go on and preach until your throat is dry that god is sovereign and then act like you carry the burden of the whole world on your shoulders right um there's a classic picture that i saved in one of my files and that is a man standing in the uh, at, at a cliff and with barely touching one, uh, one of his feet on ground and then several thousand feet uh, um deep in front of him and he says what he's what's coming out of his mouth is i have faith i have faith i have faith has he exercised his faith as long as even one cell of his body is attached to the ground he has not exercised his faith faith is when you are free falling and you know that the eternal loving hand of the lord is underneath you and then he will hold you up so we can say that we, that god is sovereign and sovereign and sovereign and then portray a doubtful worried anxious anxious life that tells the entire world that your god is not sovereign This is the classic Christian cam question, right? <laughs> how do how do I know the, how do I know the will of God? I wish I had the whole day to go over this. Every place where it talks about the will of God, it has nothing to do with personal interests. Just just do a biblical if you have a biblical problem, just do a will of God, just the you know in quotation will of God. it you will say that living a virtuous life thinking on good things following christ this is the will of god showing christ is the will of god he's not choosing your profession but if he opens a door at a certain position that you are supposed to be working in well he's just opened that as your mission field and opened the door for you you walk in and be there so long as you would be there I, you know i mean i i shared this with the, the other church the other day we all want to fix what seems to be the broken parts of our lives right or well, hagar i mean um, sarah tried to fix abraham's uh, brokenness which was childless right what did she do she brought a teenage girl into the tent of her husband and asked him to bear a child how good is that and what happened after that human fixing 
we see the ramifications of that even now amongst us so uh, just quit fixing things because god has already promised that he has our best intentions in his heart right so i would say if you are gifted in certain ways and you feel very uh, skillful in pursuing that and you do it diligently for the glory of god well that is then the will of god you you, you know just because you become a doctor doesn't mean or you know, this is whole thing uh, parents trying to trying to make people doctors and engineers and uh, you know civil service officers and other things and some have fallen to that although they knew they're good in math so they ended up being a doctor or they're good in biology but they ended up being an engineer because dad wanted it or mom wanted it or whatever but if that is a human decision that you made and it's an amoral decision then god will provide you the the ability to shine in that even though initially you didn't go in there with the plan of god so I mean, to, to talk about choices for will of god and things of that nature on these kind of choices immoral choices i think it's just splitting hair in my opinion um now when it comes to life partner that's a little bit more serious obviously only two conditions right it has to be between a male and a female right that's one condition there's i mean it's clear the other is that do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers so if any of these guys you know this is typically again coming from guys i've had all in all my ministry years this this have happened multiple times but abicha this girl she's very hindu and um you know i am the only christ she will ever see in her life and okay um is it out of is she good looking well yeah yeah she's good looking uh, so if i sense a bit of infatuation in that voice and then my thing is you are you you tell him this this is converting her or 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 saving her is now your business it's christ precipices he's already sent his son to die on on her behalf on the cross of calvary and if she belongs to him she he's going to make sure that he, she's not lost now if it is genuine and some are genuine situation not infatuations i say why don't you come to our house bring her with you sit where all of us can be seen and we'll bring we we'll keep bringing chaya and talk to her about christ and if he says man i think ice cream parlor is a better place than your house then i'm really hard on him right so a uh, life partner issue again <clears throat> i i've told i told all three of my sons you need to select you need to be completely sure you giving you know they uh, eve came to the the life of adam and he was able to take care of a family so that's one condition once that happens you need to have this some someone who loves the lord loves the lord even more than you and uh, someone who will complete the weaknesses and other things in you 
so that together as a dyad coming, coming into a unity will be complete, right? Each other filling into the, 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 the gap for the others and then uh, showing Christ through that. And I said, always choose somebody who is at least a couple of miles ahead of you in the spiritual walk. Because I don't want, I'd rather you follow her in that than you trying to pull her along with you. Um, two for two. Still waiting for the third one, right? The two that they, the first one and the second one have followed that and and we're very happy with that. So, you know, it's one of those, one of those scenarios. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just blabbing here, I guess. Um, where are you? How did you <laughs> By humiliating me. <laughs> um, yeah, he places strange type of things. He places people. He places, um, you know, people who will confront you. People, uh, I call them accountability partners, brothers and sisters in Christ who would, I mean, including my sons, and, and especially my second one. He would say, you preached this the other day, and what are you doing now? What do you do? Uh, my wife, she has done that. And, 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 and even public humiliation, when, when I say I'm a man of faith, and I make a decision at work, and someone says, ah, yeah. Dr. Johnson, I didn't think it would come out of your mouth. Ooh. You want to crawl back into that little shell. And that's how he hit me hard. He hit me hard each time my pride was showing. And then do we respond? If we respond in, in, in kind and walk away from it, then, you know, you'll continue in, in pride. But every time this happens... I'm very conscious in, 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 in the prompting of the Holy Spirit and I will just take pause for a moment and, and regroup myself and say, no, I can't say this. Or I need to go and conf- uh, uh, apologize to the person that I offended. Uh, those are, again, those are hard things to do. But again, if you love Christ and you want to display Christ in you, these are hard choices you have to make. Who says Christianity is easy? In office, my boss and the management stands for getting deals at any cost, and this affects me badly, and I'm forced to get involved. Run for your life. It's hard, I'm telling you. You cannot engage yourself in unethical practices and then go back and preach to them, "Christ Christ, Christ died for you. It just doesn't make any sense. If this is the place Satan has upper hand and pulling you down and you resisting isn't working please go on your knees and start praying Lord would you open another way or change my scenario or change my scenario talk to your boss this is I you know I'm having such a hard time with this I know you need your business and so on and so forth but I can't go through with this if you're not willing to count costs then then I don't know how truly you are Wanting Christ to be seen in your life. It's tough. I'm, 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 tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm sure jo- George deals with it probably every single day. And I do it fairly re- frequently in, in, in my workplace as well. This is not easy. And, and 
sometimes we lose and if if losing a job for Christ's sake is how he brings himself out better so be it okay i think we're out of our times right or you have one more question <laughs> thank you abe is the one thank you so much for the opportunity um i'm i'm just having the time of my life especially seeing see my sons and I wish i had some daughters here too but the sons did bring their daughters with i mean my daughters with them and then to see um, you know thinking back on college days and we discussed theology we we were we were we were we enjoyed our time but we also discussed theology he kept me straight i can tell you that much he's 4 years younger to me but he kept me straight and i owe some of the, some of my spiritual growth because of him and i'm not afraid to say that in front of him and then um rebi and asha they're such a sweet couple that we've uh, uh, spent with to see them to see that, that christ is using them even now that's a wonderful thing and to see so many young people this is like heaven for me uh, uh i i i if i say that i've uh, not contemplated that uh, it would be a lie in fact uh, you know i thought the other day i had a macedonian call from uh, from liju but uh, i had to tell them this is not the time uh but i'm open to it and but i need i need the lord to create a scenario where it is it is what it is and that i don't want to come for a couple of years and you know going back last time was the hardest thing that i've done and i i struggled with that decision for many many years until god changed my thinking on that so um yeah if he if he does that this would be one of the places that we would come back to yes not saying cbf <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> But anyway, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the freedom to minister uh just open and real instead of instead of, I mean what you saw is what you get what you will get from me. And uh, if you were looking for you know rhetorical um excellence then you didn't get it. Uh I I can't provide that. But if you're looking for interaction and can see my heart in some of these, then you may have gotten it. thank you for the opportunity yeah let's let's bow our heads <clears throat> father god we are dumbfounded every time we come to your presence you are incomprehensible and when we think about you it stretches us to our limits what an amazing god you are yet you chose to limit yourself second person of the trinity to pursue us relentlessly never giving up on us thank you so much we love you we honor you we adore you we flatly fall at your feet and all we need to see when we fall flat at your feet the only thing that we will see is the nail prints on your feet even that reminds us of how much you loved us how much you loved to continue to love us how much you pursue us we talked about a lot of things we talked about 
fancy terms relevance and redemptive and all those things i don't know if i was able to do justice but i trust in your ability to make sense out of nothing we thank you for this body of believers this is not by chance this is pre orchestrated in the council of heaven i hope and pray that they see their mission proclaiming christ in the power of the holy spirit making disciples for the glory of god if that's not their mission will you will you make it their mission in the days to come i know many have heard some of the discussions we've had these are hard questions and hard decisions to make and i pray father that all of us would see christ is worth everything Christ is worth losing a job Christ is worth losing a child Christ is worth losing dear ones to illnesses Christ is worth everything to the point where we can echo the sentiments of the apostle for me to live is Christ that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and ultimately if we can come close to being that would you shine through us these feeble vessels would you shine through us so brightly that it's in for the ones who look at us that it's that they can see you clearly not broken image bearers but constantly being renewed and 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 shined in such a way that we are reflecting more and more and more and more of you send us home with your blessings continue to deal with our hearts help us to go back to your word to stand firmly in your word but also give us the heart of compassion to love love just like you loved unconditionally with knowing that it costs us to love like that we give you thanks we give you honor for it's all due unto you you're worth it all in Christ's name we pray amen, amen.